This is a special feature of Radio Plasma, Holyoke Black Lives Matter, a day of learning and community action. This event took place at El Mercado at 413 Main Street in Holyoke, Massachusetts on February 9, 2019. During this full-day activity, students from Holyoke High School and the Polo Fair Social Justice Charter School, along with teachers and community members, gathered to talk about Black Lives Matter and the outcomes of the Week of Action for National Demands. These four demands include End Zero Tolerance, Mandate Black History and Ethnic Studies Grades K-12, Hire More Black Teachers, and Fund Counselors, Not Cops. During the first part of this event, there were presentations by Palante, the restorative justice program at Holyoke High School, along with students from the Holyoke Ethnic Studies class. This special feature includes the keynote by Whitney Battle Batiste, a second part that is a full podcast session with students participating in this activity that you can listen as well on radioplasma.com. Enjoy of the keynote by Whitney Battle Batiste here on Radio Plasma as part of Holyoke Black Lives Matter. For a moment, we just um, take some deep breaths and physically be here together. So by that, I mean just taking a moment to kind of clear your mind. If you want to close your eyes, that's cool. Listen to the, the soothing sound of my voice. Um, but seriously, just be grounded and breathe in deeply and then breathe out and then breathe in again and breathe out, thanking the Creator for allowing us to be here and to wake up this morning, to be together, um, and to be here and actually be cold. You have to be alive to be cold, right? It's okay. And then just come back, open your eyes, and be present with me. Um, I think that's, it's, it's important when we talk about how we navigate economic and social and racial injustice that we often understand that it's important for us to stop and think and breathe because when we are engaging in struggle, we have to take the time for ourselves and understand that one of the most revolutionary acts that we can do as people of the sun is to take care of ourselves. And I think that self-care is a radical act, although it shouldn't be. We should be able to take care of ourselves in a way that makes it easier for us to take care of each other. And so that's why I always start with, well, I'm recently more starting with just grounding ourselves and being here in the moment. The second thing I like to start with is to acknowledge the indigenous people whose land that we are standing on, also to acknowledge my ancestors, who um, those who I know, those whose names I don't know, and those whose names I'll never know. Without them, I wouldn't be here today. So I've gotten all of the good stuff out of the way. So now I'm going to ask you, how are you feeling this morning? Just a little bit warmer? Yes. Mentally? Yes. Cold is in your mind. No? Okay. <laughs> so um, I'm not a regular, I, I'm an academic, right? But I'm not like a regular kind of, um, I don't have a bunch of pages to read in front of you because I often have to figure out what the crowd is before I write and talk to you. So I don't know. Sometimes I don't trust academics who can't talk without reading a piece of paper. But clearly I'm not. Um, 
that's why people take my classes and not theirs, I guess, right? Um, so with that, the, I don't think I have to kind of talk about the, the quote unquote, the, the history of the movement that is known today as Black Lives Matter, right? Like where it came from, I do? Oh, okay. Um, so I talk about this, and I'm teaching a class right now about Du Bois. Um, it's actually called Du Bois in Our Time, from Black Reconstruction to Black Lives Matter. It's that's a very long, long period of time, but um, the 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 movement for Black Lives and 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 the ideas behind Black Lives Matter um, came out of the idea of self-care. It came from the idea, it was a love letter written to black people, and at the end of that love letter that was written by Alicia Garza, it said, Black Lives Matter. Um, the hashtag, um, I would say that that was, uh, that was uh, uh, Patrice, I was like, <laughs> what's her name? Um, so this, the, the, the idea, was sparked after people were tired of lose, hearing about the loss of life of black, young black people, especially black men. And so when Trayvon Martin was killed, and his birthday was on February 5th, right? And it was painful, because I, I, I did a bad thing, like I watched the State of the Union, because I just, it was like a car accident, like I just, want, I had to watch, and I couldn't, you know, I wanted to see what was um, unfolding, but realizing that the State of the Union dress was on Trayvon Martin's birthday, right? And, and I thought about all of the people that the dude in the White House was literally pointing out in the audience, and not to take away from who they were, but just to think about him talking about people who had, who, whose families had survived someone getting like murdered. I think there was a family member that had been um, uh, uh, killed by an undocumented person, and this is the person that you're touting out. Yet, at the same time as talking about Holocaust survivors, those who survived, uh, a police officer that survived running into the, the Pittsburgh shooting, and all of these people, yet in that conversation, black lives are not a part of any of that. And so, it wasn't just the murder of Trayvon Martin that sparked Black Lives Matter. It was actually the acquittal of George Zimmerman. That is where the movement started. And then a year, so that was 2012. And then a year later, we have the incident in which Mike Brown lost his life. And Ferguson became, so at some point, Black Lives Matter was a social, me it was, it, the, the way in which it lived or it came to life was through social media. That's the way it was kind of living. And then it wasn't until Ferguson happened that it became alive with physically people outside of the idea of being on a computer. Because what happened in Ferguson meant that this is happening again and again. And the other part of the complexity of this is that it's such a difficult thing, and I'm, 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 I'm going to try to not be too academic about this, but to really say that it's very hard for me to 
navigate how to engage in conversations with people who are not quite understanding why we say Black Lives Matter. There's this thing, and, and, and I want to separate the idea of racism from the idea of anti-black racism. It's a very different thing, but it's, it operates in very similar ways. The problem the reason why I'm saying it's difficult for me to navigate, and I was trying to think how I was going to talk about it briefly this morning, because you can't talk about anti-blackness briefly, um, because the system of anti-blackness is the foundation for which this country is built. And I really, really want to encourage all young people, I have no problem with Google, so Google it, right? Google anti-blackness, pick up a book, look it up, and, and find out why I'm saying it's foundational. And here's the controversial point. When you have movements that tell you all lives matter, and blue lives matter, and everybody else's lives matter, the point is, is that when I talk about anti-blackness, the ways in which it's been diluted is to spread that out and make it multicultural. Everybody, including white folks that don't have the means or the land or the wealth, are affected by anti-blackness. Black people, are, they support anti-blackness. Even though you're, just because you're black does not mean that you are actually fighting for the cause and the liberation of black people. So when I say, you know, black and brown and all that, I understand that it's important that we all talk about it as a collective. But in that collective, the truth is, is that it dilutes the ideas behind Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is important, just like Red Lives Matter is important, because you talk about police brutality on and off the reservation, right? The, the, the fact that Black Lives Matter, some people would argue, is skewed more towards the lives and deaths of black men. That's why Say Her Name came about, right? But at the same time, we have to understand that anti-blackness is directly linked to the oppression of all, including non-black people. The ways in which we use language, the ways in which we engage. So I don't say, so little, little kinds of things like, like if you hear like these amazing, not amazing, these really problematic terms like illegal alien. First of all, I don't mean to like disparage aliens, but I really have a, like what I think about an alien is like a green dude with really, and that could be stereotypical, that could be racist too. But I just think of that and he's like, or he or she, maybe they're gender non-conforming, I don't know, but they're in space. That's an alien. An alien is not a person, right? And to say you're illegal, you can't, as a person, you can't be illegal. It's grammatically incorrect. You can be without papers. You can be without documents. That's called undocumented. And that's the difference in saying that people on a border that are trying to seek safety are refugees versus, what was it, what did he call? Invaders or something. He, like the, 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 the crisis at the border, the reason why we need the wall, right, is because these folks are coming in, right? And it's the language that we use. I liked, I don't, I'm not a minority because in the world, I'm a, we are gl the global majority. And that's why a lot of this back and forth is because if we continue to see ourselves as othered, 
right? So when I say things, I don't say things like minority, I say global majority. I don't say things like, um, oh, he's a, 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 actually is a person of color. Sometimes I say, oh, he's a racialized person. That makes white people, what, 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 did you, what did that mean? When I say minoritized, they're like, wait, I don't, so ask me what that means. Because you are a non-black person. To, to actually center blackness, it, shift, it shifts the dialogue. Just like, no, this person is not illegal, they are undocumented. How did your family get here? Right? So all of those things are directly tied to the conversation about anti-blackness. All the things that I just said, that the power of language, you would be surprised. Just that language, the way you use it in everyday circumstances, literally is a part of the struggle, is a part of being an activist. You don't always have to be on the front line to be an activist, because I'm too old to be on the front line. I look very good for my age, but I'm old. My daughter says I have three years until I'm old, which means I'm 47. I'm proud to be 47. I don't look it, do I, right? right okay. So I'm still cold, but are y'all feeling a little bit warmer? See what I'm saying? Mentally, hopefully that, okay. So the idea behind Black Lives Matter means that you're centering, you're centering the conversation around black lives. That doesn't mean that you are negating hmm, Latinx lives, right? That doesn't mean that you're negating Asian, folks of Asian descent. It doesn't mean that. If you understand that the, the, the oppression, the idea of economic injustice, the reason why so many of us think we're middle class but we will never be, right, is because we don't, I'm about to be Marxist, I'm sorry. Um, we, we don't own the means of production. We don't know where our clothes come from. Well, if we do, based on the tag, we, don't, we are not a part of that process of making the clothes. We are not a part of the, we are so consumed by consumption. So consumed by consumption. And me, I am a socialist trapped in a capitalist body. That means I love to shop too. <laughs> But I realized the limits behind stuff, right? And the act, the, 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 when we get more stuff, we forget the struggle because we are numbed by capitalism. Now, I studied Du Bois, and I'm gonna tell you, it's rough. I just aside, we just read the first two chapters of Black Reconstruction that was written in 1935. And when we read the first chapter, it's called The Black Worker. The second chapter is called The White Worker. And you can see from the very inception of when this country became industrialized, which was you know, during slavery and after, imagine what happens during emancipation. You have a whole system of free labor. Then they're not captive anymore. There's no labor anymore that's, that's free, right? So what does that do to the economy? The South, they kind of lost the war, but they lost more than that. They lost free labor, which the entire nation was dependent on. So the industrial North, which we are in, as we pass the canal, and we pass what Holyoke was, that idea of the industrialized North was not a place of freedom. It was a place that benefited from captive labor. labor. So when you ask me, why am I touting that anti-blackness is the foundation of this country. That's what I'm talking about. 
Slavery and captivity became dependent on your race. So the ideas of everybody else that came and everybody, so then you've got folks that are free now. There was a moment that's called Reconstruction where there were black people in the Senate and in government. And I asked my students, who do you think elected those folks? Black people voted for black people. Like they asked Issa Rae, like who you vote, you know, who you rooting for in the Emmys or the Grammys or whatever. She was like, I'm, I'm rooting for everybody black. When you root for everybody black, when you understand that when you say Black Lives Matter, you're not taking away from anyone else's struggle. You are just adding the foundation from which your struggle began. Anti-blackness. Please Google it. Look it up. Make it a part of your lives. So that, that, those, those folks who were elected were elected by black people who had the right to vote after slavery. Those rights were taken away in a certain way about the 1890s. You don't know that in the North and the South, people in Mississippi could vote if you were a man. That was a way to bring landless white folks, which be non-wealthy people, into the voting booth. But oh, we, didn't, we forgot, those folks are citizens too. Those black folks, so they come and they're voting, and they're voting in black people. We have the myth that black reconstruction was the South, and black people got elected, and they couldn't handle it, and whatever. But reconstruction, black folks in the government also, you know what else they did? They opened up public schools for poor people. That's what black folks did when they were in the government. And then as the Reconstruction ended, the backlash was the rise of the Ku Klux Klan. It was already in existence, but the rise of it. And do you know where the most frequent incidents of lynching happened? It was not in the South. It was in the Midwest. Because as the competition for labor moved out, because not only do you have folks that are now free and they're moving up to try to get jobs, there's a whole bunch of other people. Immigrants, they're coming in, right? Before they were white, because Irish weren't white, Italians weren't white. But how do you become white? How do you become a part of the economic system it's about anti-blackness. You have to step on somebody to rise up. That's why anti-blackness is the foundation of our country. And I say that, and I'm, and I'm not gonna talk forever because I could talk on and on, but I'm gonna stop. Because what I'm trying to pull this all together and say to you is that black lives matter because we have to understand if black lives are not a part of the conversation, then we can't get free. Because if one person is oppressed, we should all feel oppressed. Whether you understand that language is important, language to me is one of the most powerful ways that we can actually assert a different way of thinking. The other way, is to no longer be bystanders and witnesses to the pain of other people. If you see something wrong, call it out. That's another aspect of the movement for black lives. So I'm gonna end by saying I am an archeologist, so I do dig in the dirt, well I used to dig in the dirt, but like I said, I'm old now. 
And so what I have done is I have shifted a lot of what I do toward looking at the ways in which, as an archaeologist, I talk about material. It's all about material culture. I'm looking at the way in which material affects our lives our interactions as people. And so my latest thing right now, and it's the hardest thing that I've, well, every, everything that I'm writing recently is becoming harder and harder because I'm writing from here. And so this, this latest article is I'm writing about the material culture, the material aspects of the death of Sandra Bland and how these things that she left, these th this, this thing that she supposedly ended her life with by hanging herself is pretty impossible for her to have done. But in every, uh, so many interactions with state-sanctioned violence, it's the material that's blamed. Even though Trayvon Martin was not killed by a police officer, um, somebody who maybe wanted to be, but he wasn't, um, the hoodie was to blame, not the person wearing it, right? So a hoodie no longer has the same meaning after the death of Trayvon Martin that it did before. That's the material aspects of black death in this country, right? Loose cigarettes, um, illegal CDs, um, broken taillights, um, the, the, the actual body itself, which was Mike Brown. All of these things, the objects are the blame, not the person. That was, the objects are the encounter. If you actually hear and read the transcript between Officer Encino and Sandra Bland, it is ridiculous. He said, I will light you up. What does that mean? Your life does not matter. Your life does not matter. And two days later, 48 hours later, she's dead because she killed herself? Come on, people. So I want to say, I'm not saying to stop shopping. I don't know what to do about that because we're in a capitalist society. But use your language as activism. Use your voice as to witness, not just witness things and, and let it go, but to call that out, right? And to remember that as long as we stay silent and we don't understand the connection of anti-blackness with all of our oppression, we're always going to be struggling. That's about it. It's still cold, but at least your soul and your mind is warm. Thank you.